0: So how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing all right. I want to welcome everyone out to Encounter, the greatest place to be on a Friday night. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. I want to welcome everyone here at the Sanctuary Church in Santa Clarita. I want to welcome those watching online from around the country here in the state of California, Colorado, Kentucky, DeVille, everywhere, in New York, Florida, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us at Encounter where hope can be found. So I'm just grateful that you guys are here. We're, t- we're, we're, we're going to continue on in our series. Today we're talking about Anchor 11, trusting the power of the Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me. Now, I just got back from Kentucky, and I just had a great trip with my kids. And for my four-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Carson, it was probably the most successful, miracle, the greatest day in his life on Halloween. He just had a very successful Halloween. He was dressed up as Marshall uh, from Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, OK, if you watch cartoons. And, uh, and he was just fired up. Now, we told him, and his parents told him, you know, just, you, you know, just be nice and don't, don't take a lot of candy. Uh, and, it, they, and my kids live in a great neighborhood, friendly you know, families and, and every house. Was just was just awesome, and he would he would knock on the door, and he would say trick or treat, and then to his surprise, it just seemed like everyone instead of just taking a couple of pieces of candy, they told him something really odd. They said take as much as you want, and he went "Oh, oh, 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 and he just put his hand in there just. Grabbed a big old thing of candy and put in his bed And he would run down and say, candy, 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 candy. And he was just so excited. And he got so much candy. He hit the jackpot on every single house. Because every single house said, don't just take a few. Take as much as you want. And he would come running down go, oh, candy, candy, candy. Step away from the Skittles, Grandpa. Step away from the Skittles. Okay? And so he was just so fired up, I want to tell you today that God has given us the Holy Spirit. And he's telling us, take as much as you want. And we should be so excited each and every day that God has given himself to us. And I don't know about you, but I'm still like a kid in a candy store when it comes to that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. I want to give you something that you probably have not thought about in a long time. And if you really think about how significant this is, it will change your life. Are you ready? Here it is. The Holy Spirit lives in you. What do you think about this? Whoa! Woo! I got the Holy Spirit. That's how excited I am. That's how excited that we should be, that the God of the universe, the one who created the cosmos, spoke everything into existence, lives in us. And he's given as much of him as possible, as much as we want to take and to be filled each and every day. And I think we lose sight of how powerful, how loving, how miraculous, and how awesome it is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why at encounter most of our messages point to the person and work of the Holy Spirit because that's the key to living the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for. It's the key to getting over our hurts. It's the key to getting over our root issues of our lives. Our sin patterns, our brokenness, it's the key to experiencing the power of God, the grace of God, the wisdom of God, the peace of God. Hear the voice of God, experience the miracles of God, and discover the will of God for your life. Man, I got to get in better shape than this. I'm excited tonight. Give me some more candy. Give me some more Holy Spirit. You experience all of that in your life, you're going to have a great life. I'm telling you, how many of you would like to have that in your life? I want to tell you tonight, don't be afraid. Go all in. Just don't take a couple of pieces of candy. Take it all. Take everything that he has to offer. Because the difference between defeated followers and victorious followers are those that know how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. If you embrace everything the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, nothing, and I mean nothing, and nobody will be able to stop the plan of God for your life. Nothing in all creation will. Now, for many of us who are hearing about the Holy Spirit for the first time, it's probably going to be easy for you to come to the conclusion that I want that type of power. I want that type of wisdom in my life. I want the power to help me, even stop me when I'm about to make a bad decision. I want the power to love my enemies. I want the power to resist the evil one, resist the temptations in my life, what we talked about last week, how to take authority over the enemy, how to win the spiritual battles, how to get dressed for battle, how to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, how to live as an overcomer, victorious. I want the power to resist my flesh, one of the biggest enemies. A lot of times I don't even have to worry about the devil. Got my own flesh to worry about, my old nature, which is at war with my new nature, that sometimes forgot that he got crucified on the cross, who likes to knock on that front door and say, Remember me? But I've got the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. And when you have the Holy Spirit, here's what he'll produce. And here's what you should want love, joy, self control. Peace, patience, kindness. Anybody want those things in their lives? Anybody could use a little bit more love? A little bit more peace? Because I know and that you know that the only thing that can produce those things in your life is the Holy Spirit inside of you working through you. I want the most attractive thing about me not to be the bling on me, but to be the Holy Spirit in me. Guys, the most attractive thing you'll have to offer anyone Anywhere is the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit operating in you. There's nothing more attractive than for you to be operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to produce good fruit. God's looking for good fruit, not religious nuts. I want to be led. Yeah. I, I want to be. I want to be led. That's my Christian Tourette's coming out. I want to be led by the guiding light. Of the Holy Spirit and I want the Holy Spirit get this friends to be the greatest power in my life let me tell you something there's no such thing as a higher power if I want a higher power I'm gonna go hug my car because that's a greater power than me last time I looked a car tree or a doorknob can't heal me of my hurts can't take my bad sin patterns away can't set me free can't forgive me take all my sins away And set my eternal destiny in heaven. Only the Holy Spirit can. See, many people talk about the Holy Spirit as a force, a ghost, a manifestation, many other things. But the first point I want to make tonight is that the Holy Spirit is a person. I want you to think of him as a person. Not just any person, but the God who created the universe, living inside of you, that loves you. And that desires an ongoing, intimate relationship with you. And I know that you're going to be encouraged by seeing all of this played out in Roma's story.
1: Let's just put it this way. When kids grew up in the suburbs, uh, they had doctors and lawyers to emulate. I want to be like John's father, who's a lawyer or a doctor. Well, our experience and my experience in Harlem is I wanted to be a gangster because that's what we saw. We saw. These gangsters riding down the streets in fancy cars with with beautiful women uh, and having this level of power and money and prestige, that's what I wanted. I started out at 13 paying off cops, crooked cops in the neighborhood. Uh, Me and a friend of mine, we were selling, I I was about 14 and we we were selling drugs in the school. I wasn't scared of the streets. But I was scared of my mom. I used to sit in front of my store in a beach chair, sniffing cocaine and drinking champagne in broad daylight. That's how nuts I were.
0: And I think it's easy. It's so easy to focus on what, on what he said and what he did. And that's important because what he said and what he did gives us hope for today, and gives us hope for tomorrow. But did you ever study, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how Jesus did the things he did? How did he say the things he said? How did he know where to be at the right time? How did he do all those miracles when he came in the form of a man? How did he get through 33 years and not sin? Well, I want, to take, I want us to take a look at some key moments. And I mean some key moments in the life of Jesus and in his ministry. Acts 10, 37 to 38 says, You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God... Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Notice that how Jesus did the things that he did, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. See, many will argue that Jesus did what he did because he was God and he exercised his divine powers. But when Jesus was sent, yes, he was sent as the son of God, but he was also sent in the form of a real man who had to figure out how to walk in the flesh and how to walk in the spirit just like we have to. Jesus had to learn trust, obedience, dependence upon God, resist temptations, let God's word save him through situations, lean on his father just like we all had, have to learn to do. And when Jesus lived on planet Earth, Guess what? He depended upon the Holy Spirit, prayer, the Word of God, and his relationship with his Father to accomplish everything that he did in this life. He would have never done it. And the glue that held it all together for Jesus was the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was born, how was he born? The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. When Jesus was baptized, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. When Jesus went into the desert, what happened? Luke 4, 1 through 2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Here's what this means to you and and what it means to me. Jesus' life on earth could be summarized as one who was Spirit-empowered, Spirit-guided, and Spirit-minded. Even Jesus, the perfect Son of God, had a guiding light and if jesus himself needed the holy spirit to accomplish god's will how much more do we need the holy spirit to lead us to guide us into the perfect will of god
1: and i'm in the back of my store and a young lady comes up to me christian i mean face of an angel and she gives me a track. And she says to me, Jesus loves you. I ball the track up and I hit her in her face with it. And I tell her, get out of my store. I don't need God. I make my own bones. Church is for wimps and it's for cowards. I don't need God, I make my own money. I don't need God to make money for me. I don't need God. She walks out. Mind you, two days or three days later, in my store, here's another young lady. She comes in and she does the same thing. Well, I do the same thing. Get out of my store. But the amazing thing after that, I started to think about it. And what was so fascinating about those two young ladies is that when I hit them in their face with those tracks, all I saw was love. That blew my mind. Even when I disrespected them and cursed them out, I was enamored by that love, man. I said, wait, I couldn't figure that out. My partner, who was a cocaine dealer, father was a preacher. His dad was a preacher. So one day he comes into my store, comes to the counter and he says, Roma, God is calling you to preach the gospel. You're gonna get saved. I looked at him and I says, no disrespect, but how can the devil's son get saved? I know a little scripture, and it says that the devil can't be redeemed. So I was literally calling myself the devil. And it was amazing, and he said to me, you're gonna become a Christian. You're gonna be saved, God's gonna use you in a mighty way, and you're gonna preach the gospel. That
0: the last night Jesus spent with his disciples was in John 14 and 17, and Jesus had this long, epic conversation with his disciples. Jesus had a lot of things to say in this night, and talked about his purpose, talked about a lot of things. And this was his last conversation that he was going to have with his disciples. And in John 14, he gets right to the point when he says this. He says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And notice that's the prerequisite for the next thing that he says. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Here's what Jesus was saying. It's better for you that I go. He said the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives in you and will be in you. Don't forget that candy. I will not leave you as orphans. John 14:21. He makes a similar statement. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. You know a lot of people are say, I just need God to show up in my life. You know I wish God would just show up in my situation. And Jesus is saying, love me. Love me first because I've loved you first. Now love me back. And this is how you love me. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And if when you when we do that out of gratitude, not obligation. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. It changes everything. It changes everything. Jesus talked about the vine, remaining in him, remaining in his words, bearing much fruit. He said that's how you remain in me. That's how you love me back. And then he starts shifting the focus back because again, that opens up the door to the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And he says, life is going to be so much better with me gone and you having the Holy Spirit. John 16, he says this, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? And because I have said these things to you, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, It is so much better for you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the counselor, one of the names of the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. What does that mean? What does that guilt mean? Listen, when God convicts you of guilt, it's with love and it leads you to the cross. When the devil convicts you of guilt, he leads you away from the cross and throws shame and, and condemnation on top of it. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, loving Jesus. Because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have a whole lot more to, use, to say to you More than you can now bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into truth. He will guide you into truth. Here it is. You ready? Jesus, the Father sent the Son. The Son did His job. Jesus is with the Father. The Father's with Jesus. They're both in heaven. And the only agent of God that we have here on planet Earth is the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit. And I just learned this, if you want to get close to God, you have to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. If you want to run errands for the Holy Spirit, you have to learn how to say yes to Jesus being the Lord and leader of your life. If you say yes to Jesus being the Lord and leader of your life, you have to say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth. To wherever he guides you in this book, and he'll guide you, you have to be totally submitted to it. If you say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth, then you have to spend the rest of your life allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you how to love Jesus out of gratitude and not obligation. If you obey God out of gratitude and not obligation, then you will experience the Spirit-filled life. Filled with power, abundance, healing, dominion, taking back ground that the enemy has stolen. If you experience the Spirit-filled life, you will experience grace in its purest form. And worship God from that place of gratitude instead of obligation. Because there are two lives that people live. The self-life, I did it. I tried it, 36 years, didn't work out so well. And then there's the spirit-filled life. There is no other Christian life other than the spirit-filled life. Some refer to it as living under the law or living under grace. Here's the self-life. You're living under the law. You break one, you break them all. You obey from obligation, it's self-reliant, it always leads to death, topped on, on top of that, you're filled with fear, and that life grieves the Holy Spirit. The result is guilt, condemnation, and a list of do's and don'ts that will wear you out, and another name for the self-life would be religion. The Spirit-filled life, that's a whole other story. If you're under the Spirit, you're under grace. If you're under the grace umbrella. You obey out of gratitude. The Holy Spirit does the work for you. He changes you from the inside out. It's full of life. It's full of faith. And that type of life pleases the Holy Spirit. The result is always living in the flow of the Spirit, therefore protected under the grace umbrella. Which is why another name for the Spirit-filled life is relationship. Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. How did he save us? Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. There's nothing you could do to earn God's salvation and favor. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life.
1: I'm in my store, and there's an old, retired, well, old gangster in my store. And I said to him, wait a minute, I know somebody with that name in Harlem. And he said, yes, that's my son. About a month later, a black Mercedes pulls up to my store, and I'm thinking, what do they want with me? Because his son is a contract killer. That's what he does, I know him from Harlem. One day he pulls in front of my store, I see him, I go out, I jump into his car and and I say, listen man, what do you want from me? And what he told me sent chills through me. He says, I know where you live. You got a cute little baby girl, cute little girlfriend. You're doing about a million a year at this store. I'm impressed. No mob connection. It's all black owned. I'm impressed by that. He says, he he told me where my mother lived. He knew everything about me because that's what they do. When you're a hitter, when you put in work, you research your people. He said to me that we're going to create a hit team like Murder Incorporated back in the 30s. He said, but the only thing, Roma, we're going to be bigger than them. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to recruit young men and we're going to train them to be contract killers. And he says, we're going to be rich. And he had his gun right on the side. So all of a sudden, all of those thoughts come back. The little girl's giving me the tracks. My partner's father saying, God is calling you to the ministry. And in my heart, I said to myself, I said, God, if you are real, I need you now. And when I said that, the power of God came into that car. All my fear was gone. I looked at him and I pointed my finger at him and I says, I don't want no part of you or your plan. And I said, besides, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And when I said that, the atmosphere changed in the car. I got out of the car. I'm walking into my store, but because I'm figuring he's going to shoot me because now he's revealed his plan. Can't allow me to live because I'm not going to get down with him. When I went into the store and when I turned to look out the door, his car was gone. To this very day, I never saw him again.
0: Ephesians five fifteen through 18 says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most out of every opportunity in these evil days. That's today, folks. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You know, you can always know what God wants you to do when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Now, you would think that the very next thing the Apostle Paul would say, then don't drink. But he actually gives the answer. He actually gives the antidote. Instead, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying that if you're going to be influenced by anyone or anything, let that influence be the Holy Spirit. Let him intoxicate you with his power so that it overshadows every other influence in your life. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and allow his influence to penetrate everything you do so it reflects his life within you or You can choose to fill your life with other things, alcohol, drugs, pornography, and give those things the power to influence you more than the Holy Spirit influences you. When you drink of the Holy Spirit, you know what he does? He fills you with living water. His power overtakes your own desires and gives you his power. Paul is advising us to choose wisely. He says, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Doing so will determine how successful you'll be in this life. See, God wants to influence your life, and he wants to alter your mind by transforming it according to his good and perfect will. See, you're either being transformed by the renewing of your mind or regressing by the numbing of your mind. What the Apostle Paul is saying there is simply this. Drugs, alcohol, and the Holy Spirit all have the ability to alter your mind. All have the ability to influence your mind. And what Paul is saying, let the Holy Spirit influence your mind. See, a good rule of thumb to ask yourself is always this. If that drink, that drug, or anything else is altering or influencing you more than the Holy Spirit... Paul's instructions is to walk away from that and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Drugs and alcohol all have the power, along with the Holy Spirit, to alter your mind. Listen, whatever alters your mind alters you. Whatever you feed your mind feeds you. God wants to alter and change your mind. God wants to lead you by altering your mind with his Holy Spirit and you can trust in the power of the holy spirit to not only alter your mind but to lead you like what the apostle paul says in galatians 5:25 since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives not just some parts not just on friday not just on sunday not just our lives at the workplace, he's also talking about your lives in the bedroom. He's also talking about your lives when you go out. He's talking about every single part of your life. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. Let this Holy Spirit have you so he'll change the way you live. When you trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, you'll be able to say the following about the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, you want to fill in the blanks. He is my personal counselor. This is important. The Holy Spirit wants to counsel you, and he does that by guiding you into his truth. When you yield to and agree with his counsel, guess what he does? He rewards you with his peace and his blessing. If you reject or disagree with his counsel, then you forfeit his peace and possibly God's blessing. Now listen, this book, God wants to counsel you through this book. Number two, he is my personal guide, and he explains God's truth to me. See, the Bible, let me, let me explain this to you. The Holy Spirit wants to interpret this book for you. And a lot of people say, well, that's a hard book to understand. It's, a, it's not a hard book to understand. It's a hard book to understand if you're opposed to it. If you're submit, it's hard to live out. But it's not hard to understand. When, you have the whole, when you're totally submitted to the plans and purposes of God, and you're open to making the Bible the authority over your life, it actually becomes like a Dr. Seuss book. It's Jesus, green eggs, and ham to me. (laughs) It really is. It really is that simple. And the Bible can never fully be understood unless the person who breathed it into existence reveals it and explains it to you. You would think that the disciples had the best teacher in Jesus, right? But Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth, and he will teach you all things. And if you study the Bible with the mindset that you can read it like anything else, like a newspaper, then you're never going to fully understand God's Word or know how to apply it to your life and over your circumstances. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to make God's Word real to you. When you make God's Word the authority over your life, then the Holy Spirit is faithful to make God's Word real to you. Have you ever read something in in this book over and over again, all of a sudden it's like, whoa! Whoa! That's the Holy Spirit making God's word real to you. You'll say, well, I'm in a different place. Well, maybe. But that's the Holy Spirit revealing God's word to you. See, he quickens your spirit to relate to his spirit, and he illuminates your mind with his wisdom from this book. You see, now listen to me very carefully. We need preachers, we need teachers to preach God's word. That's important. But look what it says in 1 John 2.27, As for you, the anointing that you have received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Notice it ends by remaining in him. Jesus started earlier, remain in me. When you remain in Jesus and his words remain in you, the anointing that comes upon you will make everything in this book Clear and, un- and so easy to understand. If you put, let, me, let me put it this way. If you put every great preacher and teacher of the gospel together and come up with the best sermons ever preached in the last 300 years, it will never match the impact and power that the Holy Spirit will have when he teaches you personally when you get into this book yourself empowered by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of believers fall into the trap that they can know the Bible. And a lot of, there's a lot of believers that know the Bible, but if there's no spiritual change happening, no, no transformation change happening, if you don't take biblical, spiritual knowledge and translate it into hard actions, you could become a spiritual idiot and a spiritual fool by not applying it to your life. And if you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to be your personal guide and interpreter, then you open yourself up to the tricks of the devil and to people who may distort the word of God. And there's a great danger in reading the Scriptures without asking the Holy Spirit to teach you and lead you into truth. The Bible is not just words. And it'll be just words if you don't ask the Holy Spirit to interpret what's in this book and make it real to each and every one of you. If the Holy Spirit is not, op- not allowed to operate like this, then you can fall into the habit of reading scripture to just justify what you already believe and you'll discard what you're not living out i call it the madness of self-justification he has to be your personal guide so that he can effectively guide you into truth number 3 the holy spirit's my helper see the holy spirit provides and produces great things in your life if you allow him to do so he gives you spiritual gifts So he can produce good fruit in you. He helps you to love like Jesus. See people through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus died so you can live. And when you die to your human nature and your desires, the Holy Spirit comes alive and is active in you and empowers you to live a life fully devoted to Jesus Christ. Number four, the Holy Spirit is my God who desires a personal relationship with me. Listen to me very carefully. The Holy Spirit is not a power you use. The Holy Spirit is a person you must get to know. Knowing and understanding the Holy Spirit and allowing him to guide your life is absolutely necessary to a Christ follower. If you're serious about getting well, if you're serious about living for the Lord and having the power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life, You have all of him. The question is, does he have all of you?
1: The scripture says, if God be for you, who can be against you? What can separate you? I immediately called my mother and I told my mother, I said, mom, I'm gonna come to church. I said, mom, I had an encounter just now that you won't believe. So I walk into the church. And I'm sitting in the back and the usher says, do you want to come up? No, 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 because I still think church wimps, you know, wimps go to church. I didn't want to see anybody see me go into the church. So I'm sitting there and the preacher is preaching my life. You know what scripture says when a man, when the church is operating, the secrets of that man's heart is revealed and he'll fall on his knees and surely the Lord is in this place. Well, that scripture came alive for me. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, how does this man know how I was living? And I said, when I said, my mother must've, I, I got caught. Because I said, man, only me and God knows this. It's God funneling this information to this guy. Anyway, as I'm sitting there, he makes an altar call. Now there's no one beside me, not a single person. I'm sitting there and a voice says into my ear, go. I, I go, whoa, where did I come from? I'm looking around. I said, wow, this is getting spooky. I said, wow. People came up to give their lives to the Lord. And the pastor says, for some reason, I can't go on. There's someone here God sent today. I don't know who you are, but I can't continue my message until you come. It's your last chance. And when he said it's your last chance, an invisible hand, I felt the hand, it touched my shoulder. And when that hand touched my shoulder, I felt the love that I can't describe. And the voice said again, go. And that was the Holy Ghost. That was the Holy Spirit. And when I walked down that aisle, I was saying to the Lord, God, do I have to give up my cigarettes? And he was saying to me, yes, I'll give you something better. Lord, I got to give up the cocaine. Yes, I'll give you something better. Lord, not the women. Yes, I'll give you something better. And when I went down to that altar and the pastor was going around praying for people, and when he got to me, I remember going down on my knees and he had his hand on my knees and he was saying the sinner's prayer. My life went into recall and the Holy Spirit brought my mind to all of those dangerous times when I should have been killed. The Holy Spirit was saying, I delivered you from that. I saved you from that. It was me who kept them there. And the most chilling thing, there was two chilling things that the Holy Spirit said to me. The first one was not as severe as the last. The first one was this. And the Holy Spirit says, the very people that you were around wanted to kill you, and I kept them from killing you. And the last one was the most devastating. And the Holy Spirit says, if you would have not come, you would have been in hell. And when I said that sinner's prayer, I literally felt my sins being lifted from me. I remember jumping off that floor and leaping up. And at that time, my mother's wasted. She's in the choir stand. She's like, oh, God, thank you for saving my son. Oh, Lord. And the ushers are fanning her. And they're doing all of this, right? When I jumped up, I said to the pastor, I feel so light. And the pastor said, son, that's your sins. God has took them and threw them in the sea of forgetfulness, not to remember them no more. And my brothers, after that, For the last 27 years, I've been serving the Lord, and it's been a blessing. And the Lord has never, ever failed me once. Any failures that came in my life was when I refused to trust him and refused to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit.
0: Let me read it again. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and show myself to them. How does he show himself to us? It's real simple. Through the Holy Spirit. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're always in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the more you surrender your life to his control, the more you're going to sense his love, And his power. Think of it as a voluntary choice to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit's control. In other words, be sensitive to his leadership, his guidance, obedient to his promptings, and dependent upon his strength. The evidence of the Spirit's control is revealed. Are you ready for this? In your character. In your character. Those who have yielded their lives to Christ's leadership are continually being transformed into his likeness. More like Jesus than I was yesterday, more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. The degree of surrender determines the level of transformation. The degree of surrender opens the door to the level of experience that you'll have. Most of the time, the power of the Holy Spirit is released in your life in quiet unassuming ways, gentle whispers, and nudges. Because, friends, Christ-likeness is not produced by imitation, but by inhabitation through the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was in the workplace, the worship team could come on up. When I was in the workplace, I, had, I was part of a church in Kentucky where we got saved at, and I was doing pretty good. I just got promoted to manager of a big telecom company, and I had a guy approach me and said, "Bill, you should take this job. You should leave your job and take this job." And he says, "I know you'll pray about it, and I know the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into doing what He wants you to do." And so I prayed about it, and everything about this job on paper was a disaster that I should have never taken it. The guy was a real shady character and all this stuff. But the job would put me in New York, a sales job, where I would tap into my New York contacts two weeks out of every month. Now also what's going on during all of this is that I just got radically saved for a few years, and I just loved witnessing to people. I would talk to strangers, I would witness to people, I would share the gospel, and people, people were getting saved everywhere. And I just thought everyone would be open to this news. So I called my family. They weren't as excited about the gospel when I called them up in New York. They thought because I lived in Kentucky, I joined some hee haw cult or something, you know? And uh, they weren't too thrilled with me being born again and giving my life to Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, whenever I would witness to my mother, she would hang up on me because we grew up Catholic but not practicing faithful Catholics, just Catholic by association. That's all we knew. If you weren't Catholic, you weren't going to heaven, and everyone else goes to hell. It was that that simple, and that's all all she knew. And so she got really mad at me. Well, God has a way of getting our attention through pain. And my mom retired, moved to Florida, and she got diagnosed with cancer, bone cancer. And we didn't know how bad it was. And so we decided to... uh, bring her to New York, to Sloan Kettering Hospital, one of the best cancer hospitals, just to make sure she got the right diagnosis and the proper treatment. And I'll backtrack to that job. I prayed about it and prayed about it. And while the the job never made sense for me to take on paper and for me to leave a solid company, I prayed about it. And the Holy Spirit told me to take that job. made no sense, but the Holy Spirit said, you take that job. Now, the first weekend that I took the job was the first weekend that my mom was in New York. And up to this point, I could never witness to her. I could never talk to her about Jesus Christ. And I remember going to Times Square Church. I actually attended a pastor's conference three days before all this happened. Uh, Mind you, I'm years away from becoming a pastor, but Isaiah 42.9 says, before they spring into being, I announced them to you. And God announced things to me through his Holy Spirit of what he was going to do in my life many, many years ahead before they actually happened just like I had lunch with Marty about a year before we opened up Encounter. And I said, you know, there'll probably come a day where I'm going to ask you if we can have a ministry at your church. And that day happened, didn't it, Pastor? And because before they spring into being, I announced them to you. And so um, I went to church that Sunday. I had a lot of friends at Times Square Church, and I grabbed about 15 of them, and we got in a circle. And I said, would you pray that today would be the day that my mom give her life to Jesus Christ? And all I can tell you is when they prayed and everyone took authority, they didn't pray just, oh, Lord, save No, no, they prayed that she was saved. This is done and settled in the heavenlies. She is a child of the king. She is saved. She is going to heaven. I knew when they were praying, if there was a God in heaven, okay, she was saved. And I was driving upstate... To New York uh, to meet my mother. And I just knew she was going to give her life to Christ and I wouldn't have anything to do with it. That's one of the things I asked him, Lord, do you do this? And I, so I don't, so it's all you. And I got to my sister's house. I knocked on the door and there was my mother in the basement, she goes, is that, is that you, Bill? I said, Yeah. First words out of my mom's mouth was Bill. How can I get closer to God? And she gave her life to Jesus Christ 15 minutes later. And yeah. You know, and I baptized her right in that basement. And I poured a bucket of water over her head. <laughs> there was no pool. I was just gonna make sure. And so I spent She spent the next four weeks, it was the greatest four weeks, four months rather, four months of her life. And for four months, two weeks out of every month, I would spend every night by my mother's bedside reading scriptures to her and praying with her because that's all she wanted me to do with her. And she saw God move. She was getting it. And I thought God was going to heal her, and God was healing her. She had bone cancer and ate more than 75% of her bones away. And then so all of a sudden, she started, everything started to regenerate. And then while I was in Kentucky, she came down with a virus one weekend, and God decided to take her home. I can tell you a lot more. One night, she was so bad. She, she was just, it was just so bad. She said, Bill, pray for my roommate. She's, I'm in great shape. I know where I'm going. She goes, pray for my roommate. She's in bad shape. This is a, can- this is a terminal cancer ward. I pray for a roommate with my mother, the next day, her husband comes in, and he, and he says, Rosalie, that's my mother's name. He said, Rosalie, something odd happened in my kitchen last night when I was home. And my mother says, what? And, and the guy said, well, I heard voices, like voices of a couple of people praying for my wife. And my mother said, what time was that? And the guy said, it was about 10 o'clock. And my mother said, that's the exact time me and my son were praying for your wife. And then the guy said, the guy said this, I know now that there's a God after that. And then my mother said, well, you know, my son, he's got like this direct line. I said, Ma, don't ever say that. We all have a direct line to God. We all have a direct I'm nobody special. She was just a proud mama. She was just a proud mama. One weekend, God decided to take her home. You know what was interesting about that? When she passed away? I got a call from that job that I took the day she died saying that job was Terminated. And the Holy Spirit told me, the only reason why I had you take that job so I can use you to be with your mom, to give her life to Jesus Christ. That was it. If I wasn't open to being led by the Holy Spirit, I would have missed out on the awe and wonder of seeing my mom come to Christ. At my mother's funeral, my cousin came up to me and said this, Bill, you look like you know something no one else knows. I said, I know where my mother is. While all of you are all distort and all messed up and crying, all upset, I have joy because of a decision she made to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She probably has no idea what she got herself into, but that's all right. I'm going to see her again. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for divine appointments. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders. But we thank you most of all for changing us and making us like your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you today that if we want to get close to you, we got to learn how to run errands for your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, those that are led by the Spirit of God, like your word says in Romans eight fourteen, are called sons of God. We want to be sons and daughters that are being led by your Spirit. Not just led, but filled, empowered, representing you, and expanding the kingdom of heaven and taking it by force with grace and love and all the fruits of the Spirit. Speak to all of us tonight. All your servants are listening. Fill all of us tonight. All of us are empty and we need a refill and another fill and another fill and another fill. If we've never been filled by the Holy Spirit, Lord, fill us for the first time. We confess our sins, we repent, we turn from them, and we turn to you, and we accept you, Lord Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. And in your words, as you say, it's better for you that I go. Unless I go, the counselor won't come. Holy Spirit, come into our lives and empower us to live this life for you so that we can bring glory and honor to your name. And it's in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.